Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. PhD students at another university. Go Union. After an 11 week long strike, workers at Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Michigan reach a tentative agreement. And today, on the show, the Secretary Treasurer, the AFL CIO, and Iron Workers Local 17 celebrating Christmas almost 40 stories up. Welcome to the Monday, December 4th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Mr. Fred Redman, no stranger to the show, serves as Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, national website, aflcio.org. And if you uh, go there, which I encourage you to do, a lot of good information, especially about artificial intelligence and CEO pay fascinating stuff good read there but fred well normally it's the first friday with fred which would have been this past friday but he was in nairobi kenya for the international trade union confederation he was uh, appointed to this group about two years ago and he will spend some time talking about what went on with uh trade union leaders like Fred from all over the world. This was a conference that lasted almost a week in Nairobi, Kenya. We're also going to talk about the year in labor, which was uh, quite fascinating. Altogether, 900,000 union brothers and sisters are right now working under new contracts. Why? Because some of them went on strike. Some of them threatened to go on strike. But it's been a really interesting year. And a lot is being reported on this. Labor experts say some of the success at the bargaining table traces to a more ambitious set of bargaining goals by unions, sometime led by recently elected leaders who ran on the promise of better contracts. Come in here from Kate Andreas from the Columbia Law School, an expert on labor and employment law. Kate said there's growing frustration with the status of working people, a growing belief among workers that the growing inequality and excessive profits is a significant problem. Well, the leadership of some of those unions won elections by pledging to take action to address that, and they did. Think about Sean O'Brien with the Teamsters, and then Sean Fain, from the United Auto Workers. One of the uh, UAW slogans during the auto strike was record profits, record contracts. It's always better for a union to be negotiating with a financially healthy employer rather than a struggling one. That comment today from Greg Regan, president of the Transportation Trades Department of the AFL-CIO. Greg went on to say the economy is very strong right now. There's a huge amount of profits. It's true with the auto industry, true with the airlines, true with the railroads. A lot of times, the profits soared because of reduced headcounts. In many ways, this is a way to reset the labor market. So a lot of people are talking 
about what has happened in 2023. The question remains, will it continue in 2024? Obviously, with gains like this, there's going to be some pushback by uh, corporations. But I'll tell you, <laughs> labor has certainly flexed its muscle. No doubt about that. Second guest on the show is Scott Munnings. Scott is a business agent with Ironworkers Local 17, the home of America's workforce. I started recording the show here during the pandemic, and I've said this on the show many times. I kind of like it here so much I want to stay here. Ironworkers 17 in 10 counties in northern Ohio. That includes Cuyahoga, Ashtabula, Erie, Geauga, Huron Lake, Medina, Portage, Summit, and Lorraine. They have uh, somewhere between eight and 900 active members right now. IW17.org is their website. And today is a very significant day for the ironworkers. It is the topping off ceremony for the giant Sherwin-Williams headquarters, which uh, started under construction. Scott's going to give us some details because he oversaw that project. Started about uh, two years ago, and the plan is it's going to open to the public next year. And uh, the topping off is up. And this is so perfect, too, because it's three weeks till Christmas. This is a ceremony that goes back years. In fact, 700 A.D. in Scandinavia, the custom of hoisting an evergreen tree atop the ridgepole was a popular way of signaling the start of a completion party. The roots of this custom may also be mixed in with Fertility symbols, saplings, eggs, flowers, and sheaves of corn are long-standing customs in European home building, presumably as a wish to the newlyweds for a productive and long life together. And then in the Middle Ages, the, uh, the Germans in the Black Forest seem to have invented the Christmas tree custom to celebrate the nativity of Jesus Christ. And hardly a structure goes up in Germany without an evergreen to signal the birth of a new building. So over the years, the ironworkers adopted this, and um, it's almost 40 stories tall. So the Christmas tree is going to go up, and that's, that's the topping off ceremony for this project. And I'll tell you, they had several hundred people that worked on this, ironworkers I'm talking about. Scott's going to run down all the details on that. This will happen uh, this afternoon in downtown Cleveland, Ohio, and there'll be a ceremony there and uh, a lot of pride, a lot of pride, no doubt about that, and nobody injured on the job. I mean, being an ironworker, that's not an easy job. You're talking some huge beams there and welding, and, you know, you're way up there. Safety is paramount, and we'll talk about that as well. IW17.org, website for Ironworkers Local 17. Now, look in the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, offering fixed income, real estate, equity investment options to clients nationwide, doing this since 1928, almost 100 years here. BoydWaterson.com for more information. Last week, Emory University's Ph.D. student workers voted overwhelmingly to unionize with Workers United. Emory Unite, as the union calls itself, began as a voluntary joint union more than five years ago. Well, now graduate student workers voted 909 to 73 
to select the union as their official bargaining representative. The objectives include securing raises aligned with the cost of living in Atlanta, improved health insurance coverage, addressing graduate housing costs, obtaining vision insurance, and addressing advisor-related concerns. The win, by the way, makes Emory the second recognized grad student worker union at a private university in the South, following the Duke Graduate Students Union's earlier success, which, by the way, could set a precedent for further unionization efforts in a low-union-density region. Think about that. This is the Deep South. Unions, not too many down there, but it's happening. The development is part of a broader trend of increased grad student organizing nationwide with recent victories at universities like Johns Hopkins, Northwestern, Yale, Boston University, Stanford, University of Southern California, and Dartmouth College. After 11 weeks on strike, the UAW has announced a tentative agreement with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and the Blue Care Network. The agreement contains historic wins, including the reduction of the wage progression from 22 years to five, significant general wage increases. How about this? A $6,500 ratification bonus for Blue Cross Blue Shield workers. A $5,000 bonus for Blue Care Network workers and and inflation protection bonuses of $1,000 each year of the contract. Negotiators were also able to secure stronger contractual language to protect worker jobs from being outsourced during the life of the agreement. Comment here from uh, Margaret Mock, who is the UAW Secretary Treasurer, also serves as the Director of the Union's Technical Office and Professional Department, the top department. Margaret said, our members have proven that when workers stick together, They can achieve historic gains at the bargaining table. There were difficult times during this strike, especially with the cold weather, but our members never gave up hope, and they continue to stand with one another for as long as it took to enable our bargaining team to win an equitable contract that our members deserve. Now, the workers walked out on strike September 13th after company negotiators refused to take their demands seriously. Primary issue members wanted addressed during those talks was ending the multi-tiered pay structure that required workers to acquire, this is crazy, 22 years of seniority to reach the top pay rate. Can you believe that? That's a whole generation. With the agreement, union negotiators were successful in shortening that to five years. Wage progression and job security were concerns that we knew we had a fix this time around. 22 years to reach top pay is not acceptable because of our members' solidarity on the picket lines and our bargainers' hard work at the table. We were able to address many of those demands. Now, if ratified, the contract will cover approximately 1,300 UAW members from four local unions. This would be locals 2,500 in 1781 out of Detroit, Region 1 Director LaShawn English and Locals 2145 in Grand Rapids, 
And 2256 Lansing, Region 1D Director Steve Dawes. Now, by the way, the members, the uh, they will remain on strike while the agreement goes through the ratification process. All right, we're coming up to break time. You're listening to America's Workforce. Fred Redmond, Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now... Back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, ULAgency.org, for more information. Let's go to line number one. Welcome a dear friend, longtime supporter of America's Workforce. That would be Fred Redman. Serving as Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, this guy is so busy traveling around the world. We usually do our first Friday with Fred. We couldn't do that because he was in Nairobi, Kenya, where he was attending the International Trade Union Confederation. Very distinguished group that Fred joined several years ago, and we're going to talk about that with him on the show right now. Fred Redman, welcome back to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Flash. A little jet lag, but I'm feeling great. Thank you very much. <laughs> They're working you hard. There's no doubt about that. They're working you hard. All right, let, let's let uh, let's get acquainted with the IUTC. Let's start there. That's something we really haven't delved into on this show. Yeah. Talk to me about uh, what this is all about. What what you know? Maybe give us a little history on it, and what what happened at this conference uh, that you just attended. Go ahead. 
Sure. Well, the uh, International Trade Union Confederation is the global voice of workers around the world. They represent the rights and interests of 191 million workers in 167 countries. And the uh, ITUC is broken down into seven regions. I attended this past week the uh, convention of ITUC Africa, which is one of the seven regions of the ITUC that represent over 165 labor federations throughout the continent of Africa. Um, and I was appointed in 2016 to ITUC of the Americas, where we represent the voices of 42 million uh, workers in North and South America. So ITUC Africa had a very interesting, a very energetic, and a very uh, important conference in Africa. And I went there representing the uh, Trade Union Confederation of the Americas, as well as the AFL-CIO, who was an affiliate of the ITUC. And, um, you know, we, we had a very, very good conference this past week. Spent a lot of time talking about AGOA, the African Growth and Opportunity Act Trade Agreement, which uh, was enacted in 2017 and is up for renewal. Um, and, you know, we're representing uh, the American portion of the African Growth and Opportunity Act. And, um, you know, under this president's guidance, we're, for the first time in trade policy, we're working on a trade agreement with Africa that we call AGOA. And uh, the goal is to have a worker-centered trade policy that represents the rights, in this case, of the African workers. So uh, I am uh, meeting with many, I have meetings with many of the African national unions throughout the, throughout the uh, continent who is there at the conference because ITUC Africa represents all of the major unions throughout Africa. And, um, you know, we talked about what a, a uh, worker-centered trade policy means. Um, you know, we are called upon with the support of the Biden administration that the African countries, in order to be admitted into the Angola uh, trade agreement, is that they must follow workers' rights. They must, you know, uh, um, uh, support democracy. They must uh, follow um, ILO conventions as it pertains to workers' rights and human rights. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've signed what we consider an historic agreement with the Kenya Trade Union uh, Federation, Congress of Trade Unions of Kenya, which is the equivalent to the AFL-CIO in uh, Kenya, where we, for the first time in history, where we are working with the African country uh, on a trade agreement. And we are representing the interests of the American workers and the Kenyan workers in terms of making sure that for the country of Kenya to be admitted into this trade agreement is that they recognize workers' rights, they represent they uh, represent human rights, and the country commits itself to a just transition on any issues pertaining to climate change. So it was an interesting week, uh, a lot of workshops, 
uh, we had an American delegation uh, that consisted of 23 people that I led throughout the conference, and uh, it was a great time, and it was an important time for uh, workers and on the continent of Africa and here in the United States. Fred, did you get a sense of how strong unions are in Africa during that week that you spent in, in Kenya at that conference? Uh, oh, yes, I did. I got to renew some, um, you know, historical relationships that we formed. When I say we, I'm talking about the American labor movement with um, uh, African unions in South Africa, Nigeria, and Zimbabwe, as well as Kenya, Liberia, um, Sierra Leone, and um, you know the movement is strong. You know, we I, I found out that global capital is alive and well, and uh, you know global multinational corporations have the same agenda in Africa that they have in the United States, and that agenda is terms of you know moving global capital around the world without respect to workers' rights and human rights. And, uh, you know, we're together. You know, we renewed our friendship. We renewed our uh, commitment to work with each other. We renewed our commitments to call out these multinational corporations that is a, uh, affecting workers' rights in countries. And, you know, uh, this trade agreement, AGOA, the African Growth and Opportunity Act, what it does is is give duty-free access to the United States markets for more than over 5,000 products. And, uh, you know, what we're doing is making sure that we advocate to the Biden administration no entry into a goal for those African governments who uh, continue to work alongside of uh, multinational corporations and abuse workers' rights in Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen a lot of bad trade deals over the years, so it's important that uh, that they don't take advantage. And they're going to try. Corporations will try uh, oh, yeah, all the time. Try. Yeah. yeah, but I have to give credit, Flash, to this administration for bringing us to the table. For, uh, you know, last week, uh, Secretary Blinken, you know, held a press conference where he stated the uh, commitment of the Biden administration that any trade agreements, any global trade agreements throughout the world will be worker-centered mm-hmm. and will take into consideration and the qualification for the country to do trade in the United States is to respect workers' rights, is to respect human rights. And, uh, you know, this is a huge breakthrough in terms of globalization and in terms of trade. And this is the first time in history that an American president has taken this step to make sure that uh, these trade agreements are worker-centered. And we applaud the president for his efforts. And, uh, you know, our mission in Africa was to let the African unions know that they must participate. This is an opportunity for them to uh, participate with their governments, which is part of the agreement. Last year, President Biden, in announcing the renewal of the AGOA trade agreement, he brought in the uh, presidents of the largest manufacturing bases throughout Africa with the stipulation that they must bring their counterparts from the union federations that represent workers in their countries to the table. So what we're doing at the AFL-CIO is working with our partners to make sure that this vision is accomplished, 
and we're making sure that the African workers' voices through their unions are being heard in this trade agreement. We're speaking with Fred Redmond, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, and talking about the International Trade Union Confederation that uh, just wrapped up in Nairobi, Kenya. Fred, how often did these um, these meetings happen? And also, this is a two-part question, what happens next? You know, you had this, and I know there were hundreds of people that attended. Uh, I'm just wondering, what's the agenda at this point? But but how often do they happen? Well, these these uh, the seven regions of ITUC, each region is required to hold a convention every two years. Uh, next year, I will be holding a convention. I'll be calling together all the unions in the Americas and South America and North America, you know, for our annual two-year convention. And, um, you know, the ITUC hold a general convention every four years, which the next convention is scheduled to be held in 2025. And, um, you know, the ITUC was formed in uh, 2014 with the understanding that in order to address globalization, we have to have a global voice. Is that workers' voices throughout the world must be heard uh, and on, on issues that pertain to workers' rights and human rights and uh, free trade. And, uh, you know, these conventions happen. As a matter of fact, Leah Shuler is headed to Brussels where she sit on the ITUC community, uh, uh, committee that uh, deals with the effects of global capital on workers should be headed to uh, Brussels December the 12th for a meeting with uh, labor leaders around the world to talk about the effects of global capital on workers. So, you know, look, the American trade union movement through the AFL-CIO is very active in these discussions. Um, you know, this is uh, one of the things that we do is one of the largest labor federations in the world, the AFL-CIO, in terms of making sure that our members are represented, not just in the United States, but they're represented globally, where global capital is uh, destroying the lives of workers throughout the world, and we're making sure that our workers here in the United States is uh, well represented on the global stage. Fred Redman, AFL-CIO Secretary-Treasurer. We're going to take a, a quick break here. Later in the show, we're going to check in with uh, Scott Munnings on behalf of Iron Workers Local 17, a big ceremony in downtown Cleveland today, the raising of the Christmas tree. We'll talk about that and more. Back in a few minutes. Don't go away. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. 
If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. You know it's uh, three weeks till Christmas if you're still doing some shopping. And I know you are, especially the guys that are listening to the show. You want an American-made gift, go to AmericanManufacturing.org. AmericanManufacturing.org. That's the Alliance for American Manufacturing. In fact, uh, Scott Paul, who's president of that organization, will be joining us on Wednesday to talk about their uh, Made in America holiday gift guide. They got gifts from every state, every state in America, along with the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. Made in America. The polling shows people want gifts made in America. They want products. They want everything made in America. And, you know, it's happening. We're seeing a lot of these plants coming back. And uh, and American workers are now involved in uh, making chips, making furniture, making shoes. It's all right there at uh, AmericanManufacturing.org. Do check that out. Right now, let's go back to our live line. Rejoin Fred Redman on behalf of the AFL-CIO, where he serves as Secretary-Treasurer. Just got back from Kenya where he attended the International Trade Union Confederation Conference. Fred, I want to talk about what happened this year with organized sure. labor. And I'll tell you, uh, CNN did a really good story on this. And uh, this was right right around Thanksgiving. They pointed out that uh-huh. about nine, 900,000 Americans, almost a million when you think about that, were sitting down enjoying their uh, holiday dinner. Why? Because they got a new contract. And they got double-digit pay increases. It was an interesting year, and I know a lot of are wondering, boy, can we keep this momentum going? I'd like to hear your take on what happened in 2023. Go ahead. Well, the 2023 workers' uh, voices uh, was heard loud and clearly. Workers stood up. And uh, one of the highlights in, in regards to organized labor was the agreement between the big three auto manufacturers and the UAW. And, uh, you know, look, the UAW came with an express purpose of reviewing the agreement that uh, the workers entered into in 2014 when they literally saved the auto industry. When the workers agreed to concessions, they agreed to modify their pension plans. And, you know, the workers uh, deserve all of the credit because they made it clear that uh, that agreement was intended for the sole purpose of saving the auto industry in this country. And the auto industry has been saved. The auto industry is strong. The auto industry is vibrant. The auto industry is projected to really, really increase their sales over the next 10 years through the uh, 
uh, automation of electric vehicles and electric batteries. And what the workers said in this fight uh, flashes that uh, it's time for reciprocity. It's time for the auto industries to um, make sure that the workers share the wealth that they helped to create by the concessions that they gave during the auto downtime, the downturn, I'm sorry, when they were all called to the White House at the assistance of then-President Obama and to, um, you know, construct a new deal. And, uh, you know, they came out victorious, you know, over 25% in wage increases, the restoration of the defined pension benefit plan, uh, record profit-sharing plan. We're going into the future under the terms of this agreement. Uh, any profits that the auto industry make, which is projected to be high, will be shared with the workers. It was a monumental agreement. And not only did this agreement affect uh, unionized auto workers, members of the UAW, reports have shown that non-union auto companies also raised their workers' pay. So this mm -hmm. was a historic moment for organized labor where the paradigm shifted. And, uh, you know, the workers who did the right thing by saving the auto industries are now being recognized under this contract for their achievements. I think we're seeing more militancy among unions, especially their leaders. Take a, take a look at, uh, well, Sean Fain, you talked about the UAW. And right. also the other the other part of this is transparency. You know, one thing that, that Sean did said right off the bat, he said, okay, you're going to give yourself a 40% pay raise. Well, you know what? We want the same. I mean, er everything right. is open today. I mean, and then, you know, they, obviously they buy back their stock, and, and they've been making record profits. And uh, Sean O'Brien of the Teamsters, same kind, right. of, uh, same kind of militancy. I'm just wondering, is this, in your opinion, the new trend for, uh, for labor here, especially going into 2024? Well, yeah, this is not only a new trend, but this is being driven by the voices of workers that go to work every day. Uh, workers are becoming more and more aware of the uh, pay inequities between the workers on the shop floor and the CEOs, and they're demanding their share of the profits that they're generating every day on the workroom floor. So uh, this is a new turn in labor because this movement is being led by the uh, workers on the floor. And, uh, you know, I commend both Sean, Sean Fain and, and um, the president of the uh, uh, Teamsters Union uh, for uh, listening to the workers, uh, taking their cases to the negotiating table and, uh, you know, coming out successful with the support, with the overwhelming support of the workers in their respective unions, the UAW, and the Teamsters Union, and uh, Sean O'Brien and Sean Fain. Fain should be commended for the leadership that they provided and making sure that the demands and the uh, voices of the workers were heard at the bargaining tables, which resulted in two historic agreements. This model of talking to the workers, listening to the workers, and the workers' courage to stand up, you're going to see a lot more of this throughout the labor movement. There's different contracts and different industries come up for renewal because workers have said enough is enough. And we're seeing historic growth in organizing where workers and non-unionized non facilities 
uh, realizing that the best voices to get there to have their their um, demands heard is through organized labor. So these are exciting times, and we're looking forward to a very very robust future for working people in this country. Fred, if you don't mind, I want to talk a little bit about what's on your website right now, aflcio.org. You kind of touched on um, on the CEOs and the corporations and the profits. There's yeah. some really good information about uh, CEO pay. And, you know, we always hear the ratio. It's like in some cases it's 250 to 1. In right. some cases it's way right. beyond that, where, where the, what the CEO makes when compared to the average worker. What's really scary, and you and I talked about this in the last segment uh-huh. that we did, is artificial intelligence. And right. these, same, these same CEOs, these same CEOs are the ones behind artificial intelligence. And I want to read about one of them here. Stephen Schwartzman, who's the CEO of a private equity firm, Blackstone. Uh, that, that's right. that's one creepy firm there. One creepy firm. In fact, I think they were heavily invested in Warrior Met, which uh, right. which had a strike for almost two years. Well, Schwartzman and Blackstone gave three hundred fifty million dollars to MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. This goes back five years ago to right. found what they call the MIT Stephen Schwartzman College of Computing to study how to make AI, artificial intelligence, ethical. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Announcing the gift, he wrote an editorial warning that most companies and industries are about to be transformed if they haven't been already by artificial intelligence to embrace the gift to MIT. He reportedly hosted a robot theme party featuring dancing robots at his Park Avenue apartment in New York City. Wow. wow. <laughs> this is yeah. this is crazy stuff here. But right. but we have to be aware of this kind of stuff. I mean this and and there's some great data about artificial intelligence and how many jobs could be lost here in the next coming years. But um I, I have to salute what you're doing over there to make sure that this is all transparent to workers so they know what's going on the question is fred how do we prepare for this kind of thing i mean any uh, i i'm it might be a little i don't know i'm, I'm sure all the unions are are talking about this right now what are you hearing in the, at the afl-cio well at the afl-cio we went out and hired some of the brightest and some of the best um activists uh in terms of you know, educating us and educating our unions, educating the American loop of uh, labor voting on the uh, effects of artificial intelligence because the fact of the matter is workers are at the epicenter today of the greatest technological transformation of the modern era. Our rights and our economic security are at stake. And now more than ever, workers need the collective power as unions to deal with this issue of artificial intelligence. Now, look, this is just the beginning. You know, the mm-hmm. New York Times reports that nearly half of all jobs will be exposed to some form of AI automation that will disrupt and displace workers in the coming years. And, uh, you know, look, of, of those who will see their jobs erased in the next 10 years, nearly 80% could make less than $38,000 annually. Because as these jobs are replaced by artificial intelligence, what that leads for workers with the number of industries that's going into artificial 
intelligence uh, opportunities in the so-called gig economy where the annual wage is up $38,000 a year. So, look, without protection, working women and, and, and people of color will experience the worst social and economic outcomes of this sort of uh, technology. So in order to protect workers' jobs, uh, quality, safety, and rights, and working people must be included. And that's the position of the FLCI. We must be included. The mm-hmm. organized labor in the design, development, and the implementation of artificial intelligence. Um, and look, labor unions are the most powerful tool that workers have to demand inclusion in this technology. So, you know, I want to make it clear that we do not oppose artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence has the potential to unleash prosperity that improves working conditions and has the potential to lift us all up. But if it is left unchecked in the hands of these corporate profiteers that you referred to, Flash, then artificial intelligence will increase economic inequality. It will curtail our rights and undermine our democracy. So what the AFL-CIO is demanding on behalf of our 60 affiliate unions, we've seen this play out in the uh, negotiations with SAG-AFRA and the Writers Guild, that we want to have a voice in how this technology is designed and implemented to improve workers' job quality and, uh, you know, their abilities not undermine it. So, you know, workers don't just adjust the technology. Through our, expert, uh, through our expertise, you know, we feel we can make it better, safer, fairer, and more efficient because workers are the experts when it comes to getting the job done and done well. So stay tuned. Uh, you know, we're, uh, all of our unions, uh, we're working with all of our unions that's going to the bargaining table. Uh, we have designed language to protect workers' rights at the bargaining table. And the only way that we're going to curtail this technology is to make sure that we have strong contractual language that protects workers' rights, that protect their job security, that protect their pension security, that protects safety and health. And uh, it's going to be a challenge for workers throughout the future. But the AFL-CIO is really, really investing heavily in making sure that uh, our affiliate unions are prepared to deal with this incoming, ongoing technology that's going to affect the lives of nearly every worker in this country in some way, uh, some in, in, in some respect, it will affect all workers throughout this country. And uh, we're doing everything we can through our Future of Work group at the AFL-CIO, working with our affiliate unions to making sure that workers' voices are, and concerns are raised at the bargaining tables. Well, there's a lot of good information right on the AFL-CIO website, aflcio.org. Fred, I'm going to let you go. Get some rest. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you in the new year. Okay, brother? Okay. Looking forward to it. You take care. Have a good holiday. And all your listeners, and uh, the struggle continues. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Scott Munnings, on behalf of Ironworkers Local 17, the raising of the Christmas tree on top of the Sherwood-Williams building. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. 
Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight iron worker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great iron worker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Well, as I indicated at the beginning of the show, there's quite a ceremony in downtown Cleveland, Ohio today. It's the topping out of the new Sherwin-Williams headquarters. And joining us in uh, Iron Workers Local 17's offices in downtown Cleveland is Scott Munnings, who's a business agent. Scott, welcome to the show. You know, before, I, with, with new guests, we had Rich Jordan, the business manager, on before little background how long have you been an iron worker what got you what got you involved in this trade uh, i've been an iron worker for uh 34 years um family third uh tradition uh third generation iron worker uh from my grandfather in 1942 uncles my father my brothers we even have my nephew in who's a fourth generation uh it's been a, a family family thing being an iron worker in this uh Right here in Cleveland, Ohio. And it's my understanding you oversaw what went on at the Sherwin Complex. And maybe give us a little rundown. I know there was a tug of war on the on the headquarters. I know the state of Ohio came in and there were some incentives to make sure that they stayed in Cleveland. I mean, here's a company that goes back 
to uh, the Civil War days. I mean, a rich history in, in downtown Cleveland. But as far as the project goes, can you be specific on when it started, how many iron workers at 17 were on the job? Okay, it started on uh, January 28th. It was groundbreaking of 2022. Um, at our peak for ironworker-wise, uh, rebar, structural, and glass, all the ironworkers considered on the project, about 75 to 80 men and women on the project. It's going along great. Uh, it's right on budget, right on time. Um, everything seems to be right there in that, and today would be the ceremony of the topping out. Okay, why don't you explain what happens here today? And that, it's so fascinating, too, because I was reading earlier about the history. I mean, this goes back centuries. The the Christmas tree, and what is it? it it's the tallest beam? We explain that part. It is the last segment on the floor uh, being the beam that is uh, set in. It's signified by a Christmas tree, more or less a new beginning. Um, you have an American flag on there for patriotism. It's usually painted white. Everybody that is a part of the project, even the people that are, uh, you know, made the project develop and that, everybody gets to sign it, and then it's signified as hoist up and put in its last position on the building, signifying a new beginning and a new venture for the building. Wait, when you say everybody gets to sign it, so the people... Uh, Corporate that work- signs it, iron workers, all crafts and trades between anybody who has worked on that project. It's, uh, you know, go up and you get a marker and you get to sign it and it's hoisted up into its position and it stays within that building. Now, you uh, you mentioned over three decades you've been an iron worker. You've been at a lot of these ceremonies. Um, I don't know how many. Do you count them? And Boy. they got they have to be so inspiring too. Because I mean, you're you're up. How many how many stories is this? Just shy of forty stories, this right? Is, yeah, thirty six for the floor. Then you would have the top thirty seven. You know, for the miscellaneous pieces to go up very up on the very top of the peak. But I mean, but the fact that you've done this so many times, can you speak to that part? I mean, it, it's got to be kind of emotional in a way. Yeah, it is. Uh, you're, you know, you're part of the project. Um, actually, you take pride in what you build. Uh, I know with uh, our men and women there, they would bring their kids down, show them what they worked on the project. It stands for years and generations to come. So it's more of an icon. Uh, we take pride in that. It's always uh, down there, and you can see it and in any of the buildings that we build and all that stuff like that. It's something to say, hey, I was a part of that project. Right, right. You know, what's interesting, though, I mean, these happen you know, all times of the year. It, it, it depends when the building is complete. This one here, I mean, it, today is three weeks till Christmas. Today is three weeks till Christmas, and you're putting up a Christmas tree <laughs> on this building. I mean, that doesn't happen all the no, time. No, it just happened to hit just right and all that stuff like that. And as far as the project itself, you have the HQ, which is the headquarters, the big 36 or 38 uh, building on there. But uh, you also have the pavilion. That is a two-story. It's connected with a walkway into the headquarters, and you have a multi-garage there. So you could just kind of understand what we're going through in this project. It is huge in downtown Cleveland. Now, okay, the ceremony will happen. You're going to have a lot of city officials there, people that obviously coordinated the campaign, and then obviously the trades and the iron workers. 
Uh, I'm just wondering the the Christmas tree. <laughs> how long does it stay up there? <laughs> it, it's, uh, it'll stay up just a little time, and that they'll end up taking it down. And that, you, of course, you need other miscellaneous pieces that are going to be put into the building, and then the glass follows up with the curtain wall below it, and that, and then it's all closed off. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, what's the next step here? I mean, uh, the, the as far as iron workers, I mean, you guys have been really on a roll here, especially with the Bipartisan Infrastructure and Jobs Act. Uh, I'm hearing uh, as far as apprenticeship programs. Uh, by the way, how is the apprenticeship program at, uh, at 17 it's right now? It's actually going uh, quite well on that. We're still taking applicants. If anybody's interested in that, you come down to 1544 East 23rd Street. We're taking applications. And if you have the skills and ready and you have the drive to be an iron worker, we're ready for you here at Local 17. Now, will any of the apprentices currently at 17 be uh, be up there today to see what kind of what kind of ceremony is going to take place and what kind of a craft that they're getting into right now? Yes, yeah, we have uh, at least uh, 35 members on the structural aspect itself. Plus, you have the rod uh, rod busters that are down there. And then you have the curtain wall, which is the glass. So there's many combinations of journeymen with the men and women, and then also our apprentices. Quite a, a abundance down there, all working on the project today. That's cool. Now, any part, any members of your family going to be up there? You mentioned a lot of family members coming to these things. Not at this time in that, but, uh, you know, I, I consider all iron workers my family. So, there you yep, go. we're good, all there. Good answer. Good You're answer. <laughs> Scott Munnings, business agent. How long have you been business agent now? Business agent, I'm going on 11 years right now. Okay, good. And how many members are in 17 right now? Uh, I'd say close to eight, nine hundred, maybe. Yeah, just about a thousand. About a thousand. About, about nine hundred to a thousand active members. Yeah, yeah, and a big area here, about ten counties mm-hmm. in uh, northeastern Ohio. IW seventeen or Ironworkers seventeen dot org is a website. Looking forward to the ceremony today. It's just so cool that it's going to be uh, three weeks until Christmas and the Christmas tree is going to go up. And uh, if you go online, too, there's a lot of information on the topping out. As I indicated earlier in the show, it goes back to, uh, my gosh, 700 A.D. in uh, Scandinavia. But the Germans, going back to the Black Forest days of the Middle Ages, they, they're the ones that started with the Christmas tree. Interesting stuff. Well, you take care, my brother, and thanks for letting me uh, do the show here at Local 17, okay? Not a problem. Happy holidays to everyone, and you also, Flash. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the Ohio AFL-CIO and Sean McGarvey, head of NAMTU, the North American Building Trades Unions. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.